Wasn't a place folks normally come to, way out in the middle of nowhere. Nothing but sand in your boots and Tuscan Raiders on your tail. Ain't no reason a Mando should be there, but he went all the same. Horse knows he didn't find what he was expecting, but he did find the Marshal. Spoilers ahead. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Hoth Topics, a podcast about Star Wars. My name is Ian, one of your co-hosts. Joining me, as usual, is our other co-host, John. John, how you doing? Hey, yo. And joining us again for more Mandalorian shenanigans is roommate Mike. Roommate. All right. How you doing, buddy? Doing well, by yourself. Doing all right. Good. We have started a new season of The Mandalorian. It's been going for a little while now, and uh, our original plan was to let a couple episodes go by and then do a big episode with all the information in it, but we decided that just there's too much good stuff to talk about in the newest season, so we're going to go in and do a couple shorter episodes talking about each of the new Mandalorian episodes, giving them their own time, their own space to kind of... uh, Fester's not the right word to use here. Mm. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Gonna let them, you know... uh, Shine. Shine, yeah, there we go. There we go. Mm. Fester. All right. (laughs) This episode's fester. This is gonna be be great. But for now, we're gonna talk about episode one, which is... Nine? nine? Chapter nine. Chapter nine. Thanks, yes. Mike. You're welcome. I brought out a whole notebook and things to take notes, and I didn't touch it once. I, I always got the IMDP page up, so. Chapter nine, The Marshal. The Marshal. At least you didn't just write notes on an entire page. But I did. Uh, not this that. time. Well, well, to start off, I would like to mention I don't remember them doing this last season, but this season they're not releasing the names of the episodes other than their chapter numbers until the day of release mm. so i and i i know mike you probably don't know this because i'm the one bringing it up on my disney plus account and you're probably not paying attention to it when you're bringing it up on my disney plus account <laughs> um yeah but Pod parasite that's my I, account. I don't i don't know if they're doing that intentionally to maybe maybe they titled them too spoilery which could be seen in a couple later episodes uh, right. that we're not talking about now because we're only talking about episode one, chapter right. ten, the nine. Marshall, <laughs> yeah, the episode Marshall. nine, chapter nine, chapter nine, episode one, chapter episode number, one. episode other number, division seven, mm. a uh, factor of four, prime Premier League. This is some new math stuff. Twenty-four seven, forty-eight European, I nine, four south. Five south. <laughs> four south. Um, what are we talking about? Oh, we're talking about the Marshall. <laughs> so yeah, the title names haven't been released ahead of the episodes. Which, yeah, I mean, it's pretty evident that there are some spoilery sort of information, and we'll we'll talk about that as we go. We're not talking uh, about those now. No, no, we'll talk about those as we go. But the Marshall, man, what a, what a good episode! It's one of the longer episodes of the Mandalorian, sitting at just about an hour. I think it's like 58 minutes. It's 54 minutes. It was the longest episode by like four minutes. Which, you know, hey, what... Mr. IMDb here. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I got straight facts. What a way to start off the season. I mean, I can't... Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I need to go back to straight facts. Uh... 
Mike, I may have to change your name from roommate Mike to Straight Facts Mike. That's fine. Because that's way better. <laughs> maybe maybe you and need to have it your... up there with my nickname, Consistency John. Mm. We need to of have how a... consistent I am. We need to have a new show just with you. Mm-hmm. Straight with... Facts Mike. Yeah. Straight Facts with Mike. Straight Facts with roommate Mike. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the no... Um... There's, there's, there's no. Oh man, my no brain shut dead. off because I can't stop thinking of Straight oh. Facts Mike. <laughs> there's, a, it's a show with no rumors, no, no fan fiction, no speculation. No, no speculation was the word that I wanted. Straight Just facts. Straight facts. Mm-hmm. It's okay. I used the word fester earlier, so you're fine. <laughs> yeah. Fester to you in place of the word to shine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Yep. What are we talking about? We're talking about Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. <laughs> so what a way to what a way to kick off the 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 first episode of the new season i had i had some some struggles with kind of getting into the star wars mood as i as i tend to do sometimes it's one of the the curses uh, it's a blessing and a curse being this big of a fan of the franchise because you get to dive into all this content and you get to see all these other great creators bringing out their stuff but there is an underbelly to the fandom and that can really bring you down sometimes. And I was kind of going through a, a, a mood where I would just like, I don't know if I'm in the Star Wars mood. And boy, howdy, am I back in the saddle after this episode. And just what this got me psyched for The Mandalorian. There were so many cool things to talk about. And let's start with you, John. What are, what are some of your favorite moments from this episode of The Marshall? Because I am assuming if anybody's listening to this, you know what the episode is. You know the synopsis and everything. So let's just go straight into what we thought was cool, what we thought was awesome. Go ahead, John. Take it away. The number one thing that I think everyone can agree on is that we saw Constable Zubio get a lot of screen time that was promised to us in The Force Awakens that we just didn't get. A whole half second. Shout, shout out to uh, shout out to whoever thought, let's put Constable Zubio's costume into this episode. Uh, and I he was that. in the first season too, wasn't he? I do not remember. I think he was. I think he was. Maybe they threw him in there to throw us off. Like we'd see him in the fight pit, be like, "That's the constable." Perhaps he is the marshal. Maybe he has not been promoted to constable yet, and he's just a lowly marshal. Is that is that how that ranking system works? Absolutely. We all watched this like when it came out for the most part. And I've watched it a couple times since then, which is, see, was, we're on episode five right now. Yeah. So, a month and a half ago, about. I had completely forgotten about the fight club scene at the beginning, because most of this episode takes place on Tatooine. Right. And I think we kind of see this a couple times throughout The Mandalorian, just in general, where we'll start off with a little vignette on one planet, and then the main story takes place somewhere else. It's kind of the the prologue to the episode mm-hmm. so so to say as one does so i thought that was cool to kind of to see that little bit of underground culture life yeah kind of like a hint of what we could have seen in star wars undergrounds if that had taken off it's interesting to see that there are shady things going on in the galaxy that aren't necessarily directly involving huts Right. Um, you know, we get a little bit of that in the Clone Wars with uh, what disease are species. They have their own racketeering guild. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I know. And it's I'm I'm green very, guys. All I'm very with, uh, ashamed at myself for not all with top knots. Re- not remembering all get killed by that, Darth uh, Maul spoilers. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, oh. I, I I enjoy seeing seeing this, what this show has been showing a lot of what daily life is outside of the galactic war that's yeah. that's been going on. I like that it's been showing Baby Yoda slowly recognizing when when threats are around and he'll he'll go into preservation mode. But in this scene, he Mando's threatened and he closes his uh, crib. Thank you. You're I, I wanted to say casket so badly. <laughs> not like, quite not, that. Not the What's right wrong thing. with us today? <laughs> Fester, casket, but, death, man. It was fun getting to revisit that scene that I had forgotten and just kind of seeing how that even though the Mando's on this righteous crusade sort of thing, he still has contacts and affiliates within this shady underbelly that Star Wars has taught us that all bounty hunters are part of the the evil crime syndicates, but all smugglers are good people. Remember that. Yeah, Smuggling they too were all working for the same The same people, right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a great opening scene. It was just a really good way to get us into the meat of the episode because there has to be that connection between where we left off and the new quest, right? Mm. What did you think of that scene, Mike? That was actually my favorite scene in the episode, um, particularly because I love the moments that we get to see the Mandalorian is not the overall good guy. Like um, like in this episode, um, we, we see him to start out. He's getting himself into trouble and like pinning himself down, but he knows he's going to be safe out of it and uses all of the weird tactics that he has in his suit in order to kind of get out of a pickle. And then he puts a guy on a light post and leaves him to die. Um, (laughs) Which was part of the bargain. Right. And he said he wasn't going to kill him himself, but he obviously was dead. So (laughs) I like, I like those moments with the Mandalorian that he is, not necessarily just goody two shoes overall good guy that there are um different layers to him than than just you know what we see with him acting around with baby yoda so that's that's primarily why i liked that one and because like john said we get to see some of that underground stuff that we don't normally see in star wars star wars is either very space or very um bright um, and I, I love those moments when we get to kind of dive into, you know, small corridors, darker scenes, and um, a little bit more substance with, with the dialogue. Um, so I really enjoyed that scene a lot. Yeah, this the series as a whole has done a really great thing for bringing Star Wars kind of into the modern age of no longer focusing on these stories that are just black and white. So we have our original trilogy, very much black and white, good versus evil. You've got the prequels, which we see good turn into evil. And we've got the sequels, which are kind of, you know, a little bit more of that gray area. But The Mandalorian itself is a show that's that's been able to explore those gray areas a little bit more we still know that mando is a good guy even though he isn't the best guy he's not this paragon of of justice and righteousness but he's fair and he has flaws and he has things that are important to him that he looks out for but he still ends up being on the good side of the line so he's a hero we can root for while also still acknowledging that Sometimes his methods aren't necessarily what the good guys would do in the traditional sense. And I think that first scene really brings 
that to the forefront. I agree with you completely. Now we get on to the meat of the episode, which is uh, taking place on Tatooine. I, first off, love any episode that has that hanger tech. I think her name's Pelly. Mm-hmm. I want to keep on to say Pele, but that is a soccer player. Excuse me, football player. I love everything about her character. I love that she has that super 70s perm. I love just how excited she is about the child and how it seems like she'll do anything to make ends meet, but with a friendly face and a little bit of side truths. When the the gang boss guy uh, first mentioned that Jen might be able to find another Mandalorian on Tatooine, and that meant that we were going back to Tatooine, I was bummed. Did. Because I, I keep getting his last name and his first name confused. Yeah, and I Jin's, also... Jin's the one who blew up. Or his last name's Jaren. 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 Just call him DJ. It's fine. Okay. I didn't want to say the Mandalorian could find a Mandalorian. It's the repetition of the word Mandalorian. It's where the comedy comes in. Mandalorian. Yeah. Um... So I was kind of bummed when they heard that we were going to be going back to Tatooine because we go to Tatooine so much in Star Wars for the dumbest reasons all the time. And they make, Luke makes a point to say that it's like a backwater planet that there's no reason anyone should ever go to Tatooine. You know, it's, it's the, it's a bright spot or there's a bright spot of the universe. It's the planet farthest from like why, but then this might've been one of my most favorite adventures on Tatooine outside of the game Rebel Rebel Assault, flying T-16s and targeting creatures that are not much bigger than Womp Rats, that are Womp Rats. That's a reference for me, and I don't think Ian ever played Rebel Assault. I I, I watched to. you show me a video <laughs> yeah. of that sequence, and the person playing the Let's Play of it could not get past the level. Yeah, it's... Fine motor controls with a mouse trying it. It's not a, not fun to fly, um, <laughs> but I I think what they did with going to Tatooine it really turned me around on it, and I thought like it was it didn't feel like it was the start of a show because of how intense and like action packed it got. I didn't see how they could follow that up with something that kind of matched its energy, uh, or I was afraid that they were going to try to, and then the show would just be energy upon energy and like and just keep getting more and more and more and more intense until you get to an episode where they couldn't do that and it just crashes and then like no one cares on a meta level i think they've been doing a pretty good job with pacing the episodes having a big scale one like you're talking about and then letting us have an episode that's more of a cool off period right. and then coming back in yeah. and that's really the way to do it mm-hmm the the trip back to Tatooine, I agree with you. Uh, I was kind of like, why are we going back there? But I think that the reaction of Mando having that same reaction, like, what? No, yeah. I've spent so much time on Tatooine. They're not there. What? They're not there. <laughs> why do I have to go back there? I don't... That that made me feel better there's, about it. There's got to be a part of his mind when that guy said, oh, there's one on Tatooine, where, where Din was like, yeah, that was probably me. <laughs> yeah, like, right. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was a Mandalorian there. It was this guy. It was me three um, days ago. Yeah, but it was it's it's really well done. I like how they had an emphasis on Tuscan culture. Mm, yes, in this episode, really showing us more that yeah, these are and this is something that 
kind of was explored more in books and, and side material beforehand, but now we, we really got a first-hand experience to see that this is an actual culture, these are people, they're not just... There's a reason why people think they're mindless animals. Or vegetables. Or vegetables. Uh, <laughs> but we got to see the other side of that. We got to see their side of things, which I really think the the only other time that that's been done that well was in the original Knights of the Old Republic game, because you actually have a mission where you have to go and talk to the Tusken Raiders and help them do stuff. But it was really cool to see the culture. It was really cool to learn that the Tusken Sign Language was developed with the assistance of a deaf actor. Um, that I'm, was super I'm cool. At, I'm looking up his name right now. Yeah, that was awesome. It's it's no secret that here at Hoth Topics we're on the side of representation is a good thing. Getting more of that in Star Wars is really great. It, it's a it's a far shot from Episode Two where Luke just or uh, Anakin just shows up and starts carving through them like <laughs> it's their Thanksgiving turkeys. Well, so, they're, they're animals. <laughs> yeah, he's animals. animals. Yeah, he nailed it. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the actor's name is uh, Troy Kotsur. Kotsur. Kotzer, Troy Kotzer. Um, Thank you, Troy. He is, in fact, a, a deaf actor um, that they brought in. What I, what I really liked about this is my my sister-in-law, when she was in college, she did a whole program for ASL, or American Sign Language and stuff, and was a, a deaf teacher for many, many years. I don't know I don't know if she's still doing that. That's um, cool, though. So I, I, that, that was kind of like a cool thing. I don't remember if you remember, Mike, but like in high and elementary school they had this learning sign language you don't remember any of that no that I was never, probably before you i never got, got any of that Canyon. but when i was in elementary school like we had somebody come in and teach us sign language most of which i forgot i can <laughs> say boy blue and purple because purple is fun to assign i am now going to sign that to ian so he can see sorry for all the audio listeners <laughs> there's no video <laughs> purple <laughs> yeah okay that is fun but then it's upside down as a p Purple. Looks like a little dude walking. It is. Hmm. It's, um, that's probably wrong now. It's probably like <laughs> they changed it. It's probably like Bible. So there's like this is like King James purple. <laughs> like the new purple, the new international purple. Oh no! Purple. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to. Cut yeah, no, no, was, absolutely. That's that's that a really cool. good. But that that's cool that there's a connection there outside of it to whatever else is going on. How about you, Mike? What's what? What are some uh, chunks on this Tatooine bit that? Because I know you said earlier that the, your your uh, your favorite part was that sort of beginning bit. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot of like key moments that I really enjoyed um, about the pieces of Tatooine. Like, obviously, like, at the beginning, Amy Sedaris's character, um, she was one of my favorites of all of season one, and to see her back on season two, like right away, not expected, <laughs> but um, definitely always enjoyed. Um, other than that, I I think. Timothy Oliphant was really fun in Star Wars. Um, I think the amount of overacting that he did oh in God, certain so scenes perfect. was <laughs> so fitting and very fun and very Star Wars that it just completely worked. Um, his facial expressions, his <laughs> his um, his work with his body, and not just you know his words was great. Um, I loved the dynamic between him and the Raiders at the beginning where it was just like, it's an analogy for the white man versus everyone. Uh, basically <laughs> um, it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. I think, 
I think the most part, some of the moments that I enjoyed most was just like kind of making fun of some of the situations. Like I, I loved uh, making fun of Star Wars is fun and like some of the situations they put themselves in. Like I remember at the beginning when they're at the camp that Timothy Oliphant is overseeing, um, they have the the water trough for the Bantha like way out on the edge, <laughs> like way over there. And of course the sand monster goes up and eats it as opposed to the rest of the town. Cause like, yeah, it's basically the sacrifice for the sand monster. <laughs> um, that thing was meant to die. Um, so stuff like that, I was just, I, I caught, or like, you know, the sand monster eating the, the Tusken Raider instead of the Bantha in the, <laughs> in the scene. It's just some of the funny, like, not like jokes, but just like gags that they threw at you. Right. I thought this this was one that I really enjoyed based off of some of those like lighter moments to me i think because of the length of it it dragged a little bit i think it was a little too long i think some of the the scenes did drag on whether it was dialogue or whether it was just like a scene of mando walking at the beginning for like 30 seconds that we might have been able to cut a little bit here and there i think i got used to the shorter episodes of the first season and to lead off with the longest episode that they've ever done was a little harder for me to get through. I remember looking at my watch the first time I watched it. It's like, mm-hmm. how long is this episode going? Like I said, I didn't dislike it because of that. I was just not expecting it to be as long as it was. And I think it did drag. I think they could have shaved off a few minutes here and there. But other than that, I had I had a real blast with it. Yeah, one of my favorite gags was the... I don't think that's to scale moment. Where they've <laughs> got like, the, the, the snake bones and the little pebbles. No, it is. Uh, hmm. uh, <laughs> Problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if, if maybe his direction was to overact a little bit, since he's playing against a guy where you can't see his facial expressions, where the only way to get any information out of the Mandalorian is through is through that body language. Sure. So to have this drastic contrast of 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 Timothy Oliphant's like facial expressions just going crazy against the lack of a better word stone man of, mm-hmm. of yeah. the mandalorian and i or if that's just how he acts i'm not super familiar with his work he's a good actor yeah. i wouldn't say he's an over actor in everything that he's in right. so um I, he definitely hammed it up in this yeah. one which was, was needed it's it's great for star wars yeah i i loved him in this episode and there there have been some comparisons we'll talk about in future episodes where people are you know kind of making the memes like Oh, you know, now we're all going to obsess over this character and leaving leaving uh Cobb Vance to Mithy Elvin's character in the in the dust. And I you know, I I don't see it and I think maybe that's because to me he was very fresh. This mm. is a character that does pre-exist in in Star Wars. He appeared in one of the Aftermath in the Aftermath books, but I I hadn't read them yet, so I knew he existed. I just I didn't know his story. So seeing him on screen for the first time, he was a new character to me. And some of these other characters that we'll see in other episodes, they're not new to me. I've seen them before. And I think that's what makes this character really special and, and really cool to me is that he was new and fresh for me. Now, of course, he comes in and, John, you and I both immediately knew what he was wearing. Right. Something something that I really regret doing 
was pointing that out to Mike immediately in that episode. Mm-hmm. I should have been thinking podcast content and just waited till the end. I was so excited to be like, yeah, you know who that is, right? Because um, I have a coworker that didn't know that. He didn't recognize the armor because it's all beat up and yeah. Yeah. it's on, on the wrong size person. Yeah. It was, <laughs> Which you could definitely tell. Yeah. And there are parts missing too. Like, yeah. He's got like the chest piece, the arms, and I think knee pads and the backpack. And the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the helmet. Obviously. Well, well yeah. Obviously. 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 And this is something that I think is going to be kind of a theme. And John, you were talking about really wanting to get your opinion, Mike, on, on some of these things where you aren't as familiar with you're not as big of a fan i didn't want to say that because that sounds negative but like it, go back it's, to azeroth it's true okay <laughs> no you have to tell me twice <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but it, it's true in the fact that you know john and i absorb more of this content i am much more of a casual star wars fan. yeah exactly yes. so did did it feel at all like you were left out of the loop on something or did was it cool to sort of experience this stuff without that context what were your sort of thoughts i don't think it took away anything from my viewing experience and not know that as it was going on i don't think it matters to me whose armor that was the idea that it's mandalorian armor is enough for it to justify like the weight of the situation like you understand how adamant our Mandalorian is when he sees that armor that he needs to take that off and give it to him immediately. It doesn't matter whose it is in my mind in that situation because all Mandalorian armor to him is like that. Right. So that was kind of my thought process. And then, um, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think it had any weight to, you know, who the armor belonged to in order to, for me to enjoy any piece of that episode. That's one of the things that I, I really enjoy about, the way they're handling the Mandalorian is because I'm also watching these episodes with my dad Mm. who is a casual Star Wars fan as well. You know, he doesn't consume the content. He, he watches it mostly because I go, Hey dad, cool space thing. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, cool space (laughs) thing. So what I've, I've found is that I'm kind of like seeing those moments that mean something to me and then sort of explaining them after the episodes to my dad and share how I feel about those moments because it is it it's definitely really cool for them to put those nuggets in there as sure. rewards almost for the people who have really dived into the the lore. But there's a way to do that well, and there's a way to do that poorly. Mm-hmm. And I think they've been doing it really well here because they have the entire audience in mind mm-hmm. when they're making it, and these little nuggets are extra and they're fun. They're not there to derail the story and like you said you don't need to know that was boba fett's armor right in order to get the full context of the episode get and and when they have to they will explain you know like little side things just be like who's this person oh da, 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 da. and we'll go into that yeah. in future episodes they, they've but. been doing a really good job of the exposition not being like overtly long yeah when they need to they, they cut to the point and then just not in this episode because there's there's no references to who that armor is. Right. Well, there is at the end, but yeah. if you're not super familiar, again, you just feel like yeah. If you oh, didn't, that was a weird ending shot. Yeah. If you didn't <laughs> know that that was 
Boba Fett's armor, you weren't going to know that random bald man with no eyebrows at the end was supposed to be Boba. <laughs> yeah, and, or if you're not super familiar with who Tamara Morrison is mm-hmm. and the roles he played and such, you'd have right. no idea who that's implied to be at the very end. Yeah, that, we, that's true. They, they, they haven't just... out. They haven't come out and said, oh, that was Boba Fett. Um, it really wouldn't make sense that it was one of the other clones because... They'd be dead. They'd be <laughs> much, much older yeah. than than Tamara Merson currently is. So maybe, maybe I don't, I don't know, know how time works. I think they kind of younged him down a little bit. That's the technical term, right? Young, young down, down. Y- y- young to in, get young him down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, that's one of those other like little extra things that mm-hmm. was was really cool to kind of see. I think. Just kind of going off of that, I think really the MVP of the series in general for me has been the writers of the episodes because you're able to bring not only like casual Star Wars fans and hardcore Star Wars fans together to like something, um, which is not an easy time in media <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um, so I think just the writing in general for me has just been like out of the park. Um, even going into season two, like I thought it was season one, it was it was the best, and just bouncing off of kind of what we're talking about, it's just it's so much fun to like Star Wars with everybody, um, and so it's it's been a lot of fun to see how they're how they're writing, how they're giving people different experiences based off of their knowledge of Star Wars, and that's really cool. Um, it's almost like playing a video game. You know, you play it for the first time and you know nothing, but you play it for, you know, the second and third time. You catch different things um, and you enjoy it just the same, but it's a completely different experience. And I think that's a lot of what's going on with Star Wars is there, there's so much out there that you can know or there's so much out there that you can ignore exists and still love it all the same. And I think that's really cool. And it does a really, they do, they've been doing a really good job of like, offering it up as a hey if you're curious about this you can go deeper mm. if you want to learn more and it's like it's almost insidious in a way or you're just kind of like <laughs> hey you want to know what everybody else is ranting about well maybe buy this book and watch this movie and play this video game and <laughs> would you like to know more you know exactly so those exact words yeah John, anything to, to add to cap us off here? I'm going to go back to the, the Tusken Raiders real quick. They've always been kind of like a mindless, faceless villain in Star Wars. It's kind of cool that we got to see a little bit more of their culture. We see that they have a developed sign language, like some way to communicate with outsiders that isn't necessarily just their weird grunting noises. Yeah, just scream grunting but at people. So, something that I, I thought was really interesting was how much respect the Mandalorian has for the Sand People. Where generally we see that they're a nuisance, they're raiders, and everyone hates them. But I think that they have a very similar culture. Kind of a warrior culture, Mm. a don't-show-your-face sort of thing. Like, we're all one when we're together. And, like, we're weaker individually, but we're stronger together sort of thing. I think that's kind of why they get along with each other. Because they have this this similar basis of of their culture, of... of, um, upbringing and we, we see that a bunch of times in this episode where Cobb Vanth wants is doesn't want to have anything to do with them is kind of disrespecting their customs and their cultures and Din has to reel him back in and be like hey this is their culture I, I really like that when they're telling the plan to the people of, of Mos Belgo he, he tells the townsfolk like hey they they attacked you but you also attacked them but if you agree to this and you help 
and we help each other, they won't attack you unless they're attacked. Right. And that he says that one of their things is, yeah, they are raiders and they do steal and they, they do kill. One thing they won't do is break their word. Much like the Mandalorians are like an honor-based society. Mm-hmm. And I, I might be associating Mandalorians and Klingons a little too much with the honor thing in my brain, but I do watch a lot of Star Trek. And a whoosh, well, that, that is brought up several times in both the previous season and mm-hmm. this season. There's some weaponized guilt going on uh, on, a, on occasion mm-hmm. when people are going like, oh, well, I heard the stories about the Mandalorians and I heard they always kept their word. Meh, meh, meh. And then, you know, Din's just sitting there going like, ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> Another thing that we, I don't think we've only mentioned once in this whole episode was the whole the whole reason they're working together with Vance and the, the Tusken Raiders is the town is being plagued by this crate dragon. You know, mm-hmm. Mike, Mike brought it up a little bit in the very beginning. Sam we haven't talked about this thing at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ian, you're familiar with crate dragons from the Old Republic. Very much so. Uh, Star Wars The Old Republic, the video game. Right? No, no, it's KOTOR yeah. that it shows up. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic. Right. So the very I keep first thinking one. it's a raid boss. No, um, it, well, I mean, probably. I haven't been back in a while, but so, I, there probably is a crate Dragon. <laughs> and we, we see a crate Dragon skull in A New Hope, like the mm-hmm. bones. But this thing is an He's ancient, legendary raid boss crate Dragon. And in fact, that whole time when they're attacking the dragon outside the cave, it looked like a raid boss level. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. The healer's up front. I'm like, whoa, they're going to they're gonna throw the guys with the grenades up front. I was mm-hmm. a dumb mistake. And then the, the heavy armored guys sat in the back with binoculars. I mean, yeah. that's how I play D anD. d So that's not guild. how you should raid. It's a um, new guild. They don't quite know what they're doing mm-hmm. yet. In all the media, crate dragons have arms, and like this one didn't have arms. But the argument I want to bring is this thing was so big, we probably just never saw the part of the body with arms. I I, I don't want to say that that was confirmed, but I remember hearing that someone who worked on the show came out and said, "Yeah, no, it has legs. It you just never saw them because <laughs> yeah, it was that because it wasn't it wasn't to scale." Yeah, and the one <laughs> the one in Knights of the Old Republic has legs and it's huge, much but shorter it, neck. Yeah, it's 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 a huge thing. Like the best way to kill it is to lure it out and have it step on mines. Right. But it's still, like, compared to the Which one Which is kind of what here, they did in the episode. Just... Yeah, the more I think about it, the more I kind of feel like they just ripped off that quest. Which is <laughs> <laughs> fine. I mean, there was a great Dragon Pearl at the end. Yeah. I mean, if that guy puts that into a lightsaber, it's going to be very top-heavy. Yeah, that's uh, not not really... <laughs> it's the size of a BB-8. Yeah. In, in, the, in the game, the pearl that you get from the dragon is an item that you can use to augment your weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be, that would be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, you know what they need to do? They need to just like load it up into one of like the Gungan trebuchet things. No, that, that, <laughs> thing's, that thing's going to be a relic for that tribe. For, oh, for sure. They're going to put it in one of their portable temples to look at forever. It doesn't yeah. work because that's a character who also mm. was, <laughs> fought with Tuscans. Nope. Was, was Kratos a Tuscan? He wasn't, right? He just, no, he, he was a, he was a, who man? Yeah, he was a Clone Wars vet who fell out of, you know, basically when Order 66 happened, he decided to uh, hide, and he ended up hiding with the Tuscans who, like, grew to respect him, and he grew to respect them. And then he became a Sith Lord, and then he got a whole bunch of weird, like, crab carapace crab for armor. Crab carapace. Yeah, he got crab armor. And, uh, 
<laughs> took over took over the galaxy for a little bit. Good for him. Yeah. Good well, like great. half of it, mm-hmm. a third of it, like a quarter of it. Yeah, quarter portion. Enough to be threatening. So, yeah. well, to, to to wrap this episode up, unless you guys got anything else you want to add, no. Okay. So the Mandalorian is sent to Tatooine to find a Mandalorian. He does not find one, but he does find Mandalorian armor. Mm-hmm. Right. The deal is that Cobb Banth will surrender the armor if he helps him defeat the uh, Kray Dragon. The people must Belgo partner with the Tuscans yep. to defeat the Kray Dragon with the promise of, well, we'll help if you don't attack us right. anymore. So really the main reason, one of the main reasons for Cobb Banth having that armor is now gone. They've created this protection for the town that they don't, that doesn't require Cobb to have that armor anymore. Yeah. So Cobb gives it up willingly, you know, yeah. at the end. That's where that episode ends, right? Right, yeah. still on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah. yeah still on Tatooine. Okay, cool. So, yep, we end with the speeding off and, and uh, most likely Boba Fett looking on oh, that's in right. Tuscan yeah. garb. As Dan and the baby fly away. I would love uh, to see z- the baby. Speed away. A cloaked figure slowly turns around to reveal to murmurs and... I'd say looking upset, but yeah, no eyebrows. I can't really tell. (laughs) Yeah, and that was the thing that that got me originally was I think the lack of eyebrows is what made me kind of go, is that (laughs) I will I will say, I will admit that the first time I watched that, I said out loud, that mad Kiwi did it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just a fun thing to say with all all the creators coming out of New Zealand. Oh yeah, uh, especially Taika because he is. Taika Mad- directed one of the last season's episodes. Yep. He did. Yeah. yeah, he's a Mad Kiwi. So he did it. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for this episode of Hoth Topics, a podcast about Star Wars. If you want to see any more of our episodes, read any of our articles, or just generally see what's up, you can go ahead and head over to our website, hothtopicspodcast.com, or you can send us an email at hothpod with any suggestions or comments or concerns or questions. And you can also tweet at us at the Twitters at hothpod. I've been Ian. I've been over here. That was John. Mike's here as well. And we will see you next time. And those are the straight facts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Straight facts with roommate Mike. Uh, I love it. I love it.